0: Tell me there's no other, Jesus was that honest on for you, and I still believe that I cannot be saved, and I still believe
1: that I cannot
2: Everyone kind of feels like a rat in the cage. Uh, So many crimes, so much evidence of crimes, and yet nothing is happening the way you think it should be happening. And the thing is, it's because you've been conditioned to a society where you believe there's capitalism, socialism, communism, but today we're going to talk about corporatocracy (laughs) Um, because that's important. See, that is how they train you to think it's capitalism, but it's actually so- so socialism. But before we get that, I wanted to play a snippet um, that uh, I have from my... Um, Uh, talk at uh, the Reawaken America tour. Uh, They were in town in Ohio and it was great to go see familiar faces. Uh, That was what was um, more appeasing to me, but also address people. And I noticed everyone there, experts, medical experts, doctors, doctors, you know, people that have something to say, were there uh, showing evidence of crimes and showing evidence of these issues that we have. And so, you know, it was a really hard uh, speech to follow where, uh, you know, Patrick Byrne was right before me. And, uh, he spoke of the Milgram experiment that I kind of recycle every six months, right? Because every six months, it's important to remember one of the most incredible experiments ever conducted on human beings and in the United States. Uh, that experiment explained why Nazis, um, were able to do what they do and, um, why people act the way they do, and we see a lot of that recently, especially when it comes to fear and authority. So, I would like to share that uh, uh, I will that this. that uh, speech, uh, speech you want to say, or presentation, because you know I thought it would be appropriate for me to just showcase the people, uh, because while everyone can sit there and talk about. Issues that have occurred, evidence of crimes. I think it was important
3: for people to see just how amazing all of you are. About Tori. She, so Tori is has the, one of the largest podcasts in the world. Uh, because we're a five hundred one c four, we don't want to go into. She's has a she's in politics now too, so but we can't go into that. Uh, but Tory 's grassroots movement is unlike anything in the world it 's organized through telegram it 's a, it's a worldwide podcast that is, fo- is there 's never been a grassroots movement in my life that I can think of like what she has. Tori Maris it 's my honor to introduce you to the Ray Wake in America tour
2: might I say, I want to say something. It was really awkward. I had three attempts to get on the stage and I kept going the wrong way. I'm so glad the camera didn't pan into that one. Uh, uh, it was like, do I go this way? Nope. The other way, the other way. Okay. Nope. Not that way. That way. Nope. And then the fourth try was perfect. So, um, you know, I kind of feel bad uh, looking back because I was so embarrassed that I couldn't find my way to the stage, uh, that I wanted to thank him. And you know, he was way too kind the way he introduced me because, you know, what has grown into a global phenomenon? And I know a lot of people kind of don't think about it. Like when you're in it, you don't see it. It's all you. Uh, I was just the first match. Um, Everyone else got to it. And those that stayed true to their, to the core, which is uh, that they are fighting for their local communities and their nation, have flourished, where people did not get starstruck, big heads, you know, not me, 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 me. And they stick to the core of why they started communicating with everyone, have just done incredible things. And I I think that was the most important thing to showcase. I wish I could show every single one of your faces because that is what was incredible,
3: and before I hand the, the microphone over, I'm going to tell you one thing. Tori, before her podcast, she, she's very unclear, but had a career, evidently, in the intelligence community. And, she, and all I can tell you is this. The night I met Tori, which was about 15 months ago, I met her, and she has an unusual voice. Then within about five seconds, I said, I've met you somewhere before, haven't I? She didn't say anything. The next night I crossed paths with her again and she said, we have met, I was in disguise. In the fall of 2012, you were in a, such and such a restaurant in West London with such and such a person from the Middle East and you were getting to know her and Patrick, you were my target and I know everything about you. And I can promise you, she was absolutely correct. I was in that restaurant with that person in the fall of 2012. So with that, I'm gonna turn over Tori Maris. Thank you. thank
2: you. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that he showed the Milgram experiment. It's one of the most important experiments ever conducted in U.S. history because it shows just how malleable people are and how they can, you know, without thinking, follow orders. And, um, you know, these past few days, I've not been to an event, but I watch them. And sometimes I restream portions on my show. But I have to say that I've seen so much evidence, right? You guys have seen evidence of, uh, socialism, communism, especially when it comes to the vaccine mandates and the healthcare mandates. And you know, it's crazy in Ohio. We have an article one section 21 of our constitution that clearly forbids any medical choices to be forced from insurance to hospitals, to medicines, to devices like masks. And yet here we are, we had <laughs> we had ourselves locked down, right? And this is where we were, but I'm, I'm not here to just talk about that. Evidence of communism is not just the, you know, losing your sovereignty over your own body, which is literally the definition of slave, but, um, we see crimes. Everybody knows about the Hillary Clinton scandal, right? Emails. We got her for using a server that was private to communicate a secretary of state, correct? Well, right here in my hand, right here, this is the infamous Hunter Biden laptop. Okay. I just want to say in here aside, there's no crimes against children here. This was sanitized by mayor Giuliani's attorney. There's more than just crack cocaine and hookers. Okay. There's evidence of national security issues, evidence that the previous administration, the 44th administration utilized your federal tax dollars to enrich themselves. And you know what else evidence is in here? That Barack Hussein Obama and Joe Biden in executive office were using private emails to communicate official duties. And not only that, they weren't just Gmail. It was GMX, which is German intelligence. So you're going to say, Whoa, that's a crime, right? But nothing's happening. Right. And you're upset, right? Well, what are you doing? See, the thing is, sometimes when you hear me on my podcast, I get really riled up and that's, uh, how do you call it? Righteous indignation. My lawyer taught me that word, right? (laughs) To express myself rather than, you know, I cuss a little and, um, uh, What I noticed is, is that we're allowing them to do this because we have given them power. And while many of you think nothing's being done, oh boy, this year is indeed the year of recompense because I'm going to show you what Ohio did in 2021. Have you guys seen the banners at ball games, the Trump one, how about on ships and planes and arrow and trains and planes everywhere. Right? What about the, I did that stickers. Guys that started here in Ohio, those, those were, um, what we did here in our groups, the law fair, you know, I currently in the Northern district of Ohio. I'm I've sued Mayfield school districts for the mask mandate. Um, I actually won, uh, against the law firm, uh, just one motion. I turned up with an unopposed motion and as a pro se, I still won. And the reason I went pro se is not because I couldn't find an attorney. Well, it kind of is like that. Cause nobody really has a spine, not a lot of them around. But, um, the reason I did it is because everybody can do it. The courts are the people's courts. It's not the lawyers courts. And when we fight, I'm not about rallies or protest or let's go crash places. Words. I think even the Bible says that words are the most important things. So the power of the pen is where we focus. And I'm going to show you just a few things that we've done, but I'm also going to show you why they don't want us to get together because this is how you win. Um, Davin, can I,
4: there was that ant that stood up to me
0: Yeah, but we can forget about him Yeah, it was just one ant Ooh. <laughs> one ant <laughs> uh, Yeah, you're right It's just one ant Yeah, boss, they're puny Hmm, puny? Say, let's pretend this brain is a puny little ant Did that hurt? <laughs> nope Well, how about this one? Are
5: you kidding? How about this?
3: You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber
4: us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay?
2: So this is Ohio, eight districts, Uh, all the districts. Here are your fellow Ohioans, guys, getting together, filing lawsuits. Uh, Every week, and guess what? We're around the world and around the nation. We filed writs of mandamuses, demanding that our governors do their job, demanding their attorney generals do their job. The first one started on January 2021 when we emailed uh, Attorney General Yost and told him, we will not allow Joe Biden to give our energy to China. And guess what? Within three days after thousands of emails, he wrote him a letter. But then after that, he kind of banned us from emailing him, so... That didn't work out too well. But after that, we tested the quo cool warranto to ask by which authority, which authority do they have to hold the position. We did so much. This picture, guys, is everything. When you understand what that means, everything changes. You know, it's always the first ant that gets hurt, though. You saw President Trump? They painted a picture like no other. What about General Flint? Right? They painted a picture like no other, the little side talk, the media, the, they have the megaphone, they can say whatever they want and you're just going to sit there and be like, okay, because people don't read anymore. They look at headlines. We've been trained by Twitter to look at only 140 characters, but right now we're at this point where the elites are really you. We only need that 1%. That 1% is you. And as long as you organize and as you see, they're not just online, they break bread. They sit down, they have coffee, they eat together, they share ideas together, and they file lawsuits together. If one of them loses a job, they help them get another. And you know what? We got to get our hands on finding Halderman. Have you guys heard of the Halderman report? I'm sure um, you've heard about it before, right? For election fraud. There was a case in Georgia that was filed right before the 2020 elections. It was intended to be used against President Trump in case he won. That he had fraudulent machines and it was all his fault, but then he lost. And guess what happened? The judge Amy Tottenberg decided to seal the case because there was evidence that the machines were wrong. So, right now, there's a blind young man here. Where is he? Can he stand up? There he is. His name is Jalen. He's from Ohio. He's a young student at uh, Professor Haldeman's University, and he cannot see but he can see a lot better than all of us. He was the one that was able to find professor Halderman so we can serve him a subpoena and (laughs) with no sight, And that's because he doesn't follow, he doesn't know the words, right? He doesn't follow or read the words. He just leads in faith and that's the thing he can, Jalen can teach us. He's a young boy, right? Young boy. He stood up for his rights. He was disenrolled from the university for not. Uh, taking the vaccine, but he's still standing strong and fighting. So all of us should be uniting together at a local level to make sure we take that power back just like they have. Okay. Good job, Jalen. So for all of you out there, remember the hope is within you. And they only look like giants because you're on your knees. Get up when you say no, it stops. And, uh, Clay, am I passing this over to you now? Yes, sir. (laughs) So here's Clay Clark. Thank you for inviting me. So that was, uh, my little, uh, tidbit there. It was short. Um, you know, I was, I was kind of trying to hurry up so that way no one comes and like pulls me off stage because I wanted to showcase so many people, so many of them. And I had to cut, uh, you know, uh, uh a good 15 minute speech down to seven minutes. But I think it was more uh, the most important thing that I wanted to drive home is just how amazing the people are and how much, uh, the people have grown through this. You know, in times, that storms are given, right, are given to us by God, not to destroy us, but to refine us. Storms refine us. There is nothing he does not provide that doesn't teach you something and refines you for something else. Every failure you've had in your life. And I've said this so many times is simply for you to get back up and be better. You know, I had a conversation earlier today with um, a very dear friend of mine and um, my friend was like, Damn, you were right about North Dakota. Damn with the Chinese stuff. Why didn't anybody listen to you five years ago, six years ago? Because they didn't have ears to hear and eyes to see. And that is how it happens. People are starting to see. I guess, you know, it's kind of like in your own due time, someone learns, right? Obviously, uh, it does cause frustration to those of us that can see and have been seeing for a very long time. And um, it's hard knowing that one day you'll be gone and you're hoping that you've just done enough, you know, so that one can feed itself and dress itself and work, right? Parents have that panic every day. You know, and, 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 that's something that all of us have is our community going to be able to survive so that our children and our children's children can carry on in freedom. Because I think people are quickly realizing that that's something that we do not really have. And, um, that is, and it's a disheartening. It it devastates people. It makes them second-guess everything. But that's the thing. You don't have to second-guess anything. I was speaking to another friend of mine who runs a lot, I mean, owns, I would say, a lot of these conservative um, media outlets and, 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 and many today conversations. But the one question I asked him is, you know, why are people talking about my lawsuit with Dominion? Why is no one reporting on it? Why is, you know, I have Mark Elias made an appearance in my case. Mark Elias. His law firm represents the Democrats, Obama for America, Hillary. I mean, no one's talking about it. No one. And it's, and it's okay because At some point, it'll be so loud, no one can not talk about it. But you should sit there and ponder, okay, there's a lawsuit going. Why is it that no one is talking about it? Why is it that the conservatives, the patriots, the people that love the country, that that want the country to remain free, that claim that they are patriots, why aren't they talking about it? Why aren't they putting pressure on these things? But instead, they may indeed try to step on me. That's the thing. This is where you use your discernment. If they are not speaking of people that are actually fighting back, then I guess they're not on our side. They're not on the side of truth because we're going to drag it out. For me, it's defamation. But you know, in every suit, a lot of things come out that might not normally come out. For me, it's to justify and validate my affidavit. That could be all. Every single one of those cities and, and states that, that say that they're going to decertify. But, well, this would be more than enough. All I need to do is say, you, you lied about me. You slandered me. You claimed that I perjured myself. Well, prove it, because I can prove I didn't. And once that's validated, it's game over. And my complaint and my observation, I wouldn't say complaint, I'm pretty good being coming out of left field to the mainstream, but we all know the mainstream media is all up in my DMs and telegram channels and listening to my show. We all know that, right? We all know that. You see other people that get the disgusting headlines, you know, no one's going to say, well, you know, she is suing the state of North Dakota and the attorney general kind of did suicide himself and, you know no one's talking about that instead they attack me <laughs> everyone tells you who they are if you're listening and it's and it's terrible because i see so many people supposedly fighting for the right side but not talking about it and when they do talk about it they're going to tell people how they know me and that's the point where i get to say don't talk about it don't use my name or my logo Nobody wants to hear from you. You suck because you could have talked about it. You could have told people. You could have discussed it. And you could have gotten behind and lifted it higher and higher so the word is out. But you didn't. And the thing is, many may make a mistake. It's kind of like that vagina, Brian Cates. I didn't want to touch that. You know when Garrett Ziegler called him out and said he didn't even want to touch the laptop. Yeah, I didn't to Why? I, when I suggested, you know, I'm going to whoop out the Hunter Biden laptop at um, the event, someone almost like, what if the feds come? The feds know I've had it for like two years. Are you kidding? <laughs> I was <coughs> showing it around at Times Square and asking people their opinion. Like, why would you be scared? Why are you scared to speak the truth and yet you're supposed to be a truth proponent? <laughs> proponent or... <laughs> Discernion, discerning things, just like the truckers. Oh, so many things can get hijacked and altered and infiltrated. Infiltration versus the invasion. It is something that uh, is just, it's terrible. I want to say so much, but I can't even talk about half the stuff I want to talk about because, you know, politics and all, FEC and all. Um, Today, though, another news: Governor Dewine's buddy, partner, partner with that company that he was doing stuff over in Haiti, uh, died all of a sudden, so unexpectedly. Wonder how we're going to wrap that one up. Speaking of Governor Dewine and the GOP, how many people are actually frustrated with their GOP across? the nation. People are freaking out over their GOP. They are realizing that it's a scam. It's all about who's who. It's a club. You're not in it. A lot of people are realizing that. And like I said, it's an MLM scam. The only way you change it is to get in and change it. The only way you change what goes on in your backyard is by running. And so many people uh, find themselves in, oh gosh, like my friend said, I really think sometimes, you know, if it would have happened to someone else, usually people roll over. But I really think sometimes that, um, you know, <laughs> I feel like Atlas sometimes. Uh, so many hurdles to jump, so many things to tackle. But you know what? This is the first time that I felt like it's okay because I didn't feel distressed. When I, oh man, I can't even, I'm going to formulate it somehow. When I decided to take a venture and do something, I sat back and I made a list. How is it that people are deterred from ever changing things? Uh, They're deterred from Collecting signatures, they knock them out because if you noticed, every single state across the nation only has a column for a signature, an address, and a date. It's pretty simple. And then when you send them in, if they don't want you on the ballot, they'll throw away the signature and chuck it in the bin and say, ah, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't match. But if you add the printed name, that's really difficult to throw out. So if they can't get you on signatures, they'll make some stuff up about procedures, right? I knew that, and a lot of you do know that. So when entering into a race, what you have to do is mitigate what they're going to use against you. But while you mitigate, you should always have booby traps, Booby traps, like people within the organization that are responsible for counting your signatures. Booby traps, like knowing the law inside and out. Booby traps, like before any decisions are made, you make phone calls, and if you're a one party state, you record all of them. Booby traps. So you can showcase to the world just how the system is set, and just how corrupt it is, and just how. They deter people like you from taking the reins of your own community. See, I didn't have to, in my case, do all of that. God actually did it for me. See, I had a list of things and then someone was like, yeah, that someone's going to be doing this and that someone mitigated one of the aspects, and the other people were like, we can't do that. I said, leave it. God's doing what he needs to do. See, uh, many times in my life I have been in the position where I'm planning, where I'm organizing, where I scheme. I've made a list of all the things that I must mitigate, and then I leave it up to him. And he brings everything exactly where it needs to be without pushing it. I learned that in 2019 when I was trying to mitigate my situation. Uh, I need to do this. Uh, let me try that. I need to do this. Uh, let me try that. I need this. Let me try that. Oh, what do I do that's legal that I can do? What can I do? What can I do as I go and rob a bank or, (laughs) you know, like, what do I do? And the minute I stopped, said, I'm not going to do anything. He's going to do it for me. It all came into place and even these booby traps, I didn't have to do anything. They were set and they were organically done. I like to steer away from speaking things because then that gives direction of what I want the outcome to be or what I assume the outcome to be. Even sometimes thinking about it, I'm like, no, 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 And I'm like, Lord have mercy, don't listen to what I just said. Um, because sometimes when we even think of a solution, that's the only solution we'll see. This is why they say that you spell words. I, 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 I urge all of you that are Christian to look into your Bible and see what the Bible says about words and just how powerful they are. And I also urge you to look into your Bible and see how Almost every single one of the people mentioned that made change for good was not a rabbi, was not someone who didn't cuss a little. It was someone who was on the other side, who was evil and flipped, who was a tax collector, a thief a prostitute a salesman whatever you know uh, a madam at a brothel i mean they were all lacking perfection and this is why they became so perfect you can't refine something that's refined you can't spread the word of refinement if you're already refined a sinner, a wrongdoer, a black hat, uh, I'm from the other side. Well, those people have a lot of redemption opportunities. And when those actually decide to do good, it's amplified tenfold. You know, I, I remember back in, um, oh, where was I? I was in Kuwait. In 99, it was there just for a couple weeks. And, um, there was this guy that just walked into, you know, the place we were staying at and, you know, I saw important people sit up kind of, and I'm like, what the heck? And... It was kind of weird because I didn't know who the person was. You know, I was, I was young and naive and the person next to me said, Maris, quiet. And I was like, what? He, he walks funny. I'm just saying, I, I, I don't, I don't understand the vibe. Like why is everyone suddenly quiet? And he said, I don't know this old guy. So this guy is like, you know, like old, like, Cryptkeeper keeper old, right? Why is everyone so like, who is he? And they're like, no, nah, he, he, he's, he's part of the intelligence community. Like, I was like, the dude looks like he's got a foot in the half in the grave. And everyone's like sitting pretty. And I, and I will never forget what he turned around and said. He said, when you see someone that you know has been beaten to a pulp. Things have been sent to destroy him. Like the guy is like Houdini. It's like he absorbs it all. He became stronger with every attack, stronger with every capture, stronger with... I'm like, what do you mean? He's been attacked so many times. They've tried to remove him from his posts and this and that. He goes, you know, I don't want to invoke my chaplain self, he said, but people like that, they got protection that nobody can talk about. When anything they throw at them doesn't kill them, it makes them stronger. i was like, all right, really old. When I tell you old, like I'm talking old, you would think that if you touched him, his skin would tear. That's how tissue old he was. And... um. And he was speaking to some very, very important people at the State Department. So, you know, thinking of that, it reminds me of how I say I feel like I'm the blob. Like everything they throw at me, I just engulf and then I just become bigger and bigger. The more they attack and the more they ignore. And then suddenly it's like blindsided. All these people come out of nowhere and they're making change. And And that resonates to me a lot. And I know a lot of people are tired of the situation we're in. We have no idea if we're coming or going. All the news are talking about Ukraine, which I wanted to start with. Ukraine. In April of 2019, I had, you know, talked about how Joe Biden was going to throw his hat in the race. I also mentioned how he was waiting for the president of Ukraine to be elected before he made his announcement. I think he announced on a couple days after the elections that happened there, which, by the way, were observed by local officials in our nation, which was bizarre. Um, But I want you guys to see Zelensky, who was a comedian and won by over 75%. What he had to say about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. It is the most shocking thing I've heard in a while. Take a listen.
1: That it's hundred percent that the war will start in a couple of days. When then what are you waiting for? We don't need your sanctions after the bombardment will happen and after our country will be fired at or after we will have no borders and after we will have no economy or parts of our countries will be occupied why would we need those sanctions then
4: i think that soundbite speaks volumes and it goes back to what you are saying the way the ukrainian president calls out the american president like that that all goes back uh, to the failed withdrawal from afghanistan and without that you don't hear foreign leaders speaking so disrespectfully about the united states
2: so basically let me play the whole um the whole interview with grinnell but i wanted that soundbite first so basically zelensky was like so you're telling me that oh they're gonna attack us tomorrow no the day after tomorrow oh yeah we're gonna do sanctions oh we're gonna talk to them and he's like if they're gonna bomb us and do this right why we don't need your sanctions are we gonna wait till after the bomb drops what are we waiting for and this is where he embarrassed the United States for even attempting to talk about their internal politics. So let's look at the whole interview. It's quite fascinating.
4: This president and her comments this past weekend in Munich and the things she said about the cost of a potential Russian invasion. Here she is.
2: When America stands for her principles and all of the things that we hold dear, um, it requires sometimes for, for us to put ourselves out there in a way that maybe we will incur some cost. And in this situation, um, that may relate to energy costs, for example.
4: So you have the vice president there talking about the cost that the Americans would inevitably pay if there is an invasion here. But to your point, why you know they, they've already said that if there is an invasion, that's it too, but what are they waiting for? Wouldn't shutting down Nord Stream
0: 2 right now preemptively prevent this invasion? First of all, she's a disaster on the world stage. Who says put ourselves out there when you're trying to describe <laughs> what the US actions will be? I mean, she's gotta go back to uh, foreign policy 101 and get some instructions. I mean, to go to the world stage, to represent the United States of America at the Munich Security Conference, and say things like when we put ourselves out there, this is not Sacramento, California, where you get a press corps that it isn't going to challenge you. This is the world stage and you're representing the greatest power. Talk about what we're going to do in terms of specific sanctions. The reason why she won't talk about that is because the Germans have it over on the Biden administration. For some reason, the Biden team is completely listening to the Germans and the Germans don't wanna talk about specific sanctions. Mm. The Germans don't wanna pay their fair share at NATO. The Germans wanna tell other NATO members not to arm the Ukrainians. The Germans are being a terrible member of the of NATO and of the EU. Remember, John, they have a budget surplus and yet, They're not paying their fair share at NATO.
4: Right, because nobody's forcing them to pay their fair share at NATO, unlike the previous administration. Uh, Let's also talk about the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky. He continues, like you do, to urge these sanctions. He wants them yesterday. It probably isn't even soon enough yesterday. But here he is talking about uh, this administration, the Biden administration, and their plans for
1: sanctions. You are telling me that it's 100% that the war will start in a couple of days. Then what are you waiting for? We don't need your sanctions after the bombardment will happen and after our country will be fired at or after we will have no borders or after we will have no economy or parts of our countries will be occupied. Why would we need those sanctions then?
4: I think that soundbite speaks volumes and it goes back to what you were saying. The way the Ukrainian president calls out the American president like that, that all goes back to the failed withdrawal from Afghanistan. And without that, you don't hear foreign leaders speaking so disrespectfully about the United States as Volodymyr Zelensky does
5: there.
0: Look, Joe Biden has treated uh, the Ukrainians and uh, President Zelensky with disrespect from the very beginning. They delayed his uh, meetings in Washington. They didn't invite him. And then they canceled and put it off until it was really too late. They didn't equip uh, the Ukrainians with uh, you know, American arms for a very long time. They delayed that. Uh, I, what I don't understand is, is why the State Department is allowing this situation to go the way it is. What we have is the, the State Department really ignoring the Ukrainian requests and instead waiting for Russia to start a bloody war. And that doesn't make any sense. It certainly doesn't make sense from the American standpoint, that we're going to wait to see blood uh, before we utilize peaceful diplomacy. Hmm. You know, it's amazing, too, that you see the same people, different administration,
4: the Biden administration versus the Obama administration, but same of the same people making the same mistakes. Under Obama, they removed that missile defense system from Poland, wanted to put it in Turkey. Uh, That was a huge gift to Russia. Uh, Then ultimately, end. President Obama realized he had to put another battalion of troops back inside Poland you think they would have learned the first time around. Obviously not.
2: No, they didn't learn. Because Putin's pretty smart. He's got all the blackmail he needs. Go on, Biden. I'ma release all of it. Go on, test me. Go on. And I think Zelensky's playing his little role too. See, that's what's weird. I don't think people are getting it. The corporate media is also not being very credible. Here's a retired army general telling you just that.
6: Right now, that uh, you know, Russia is the master of misinformation and disinformation. But you know, the, this administration and the corporate media is catching up with them because uh, they've so lost their credibility. Nobody knows what to believe anymore, and we can't credibly. Uh, wage any kind of information warfare against the Russians because uh, the corporate media lies uh, to shill for this administration. So it's it's really a tough situation we find ourselves in when you look at uh, from a diplomatic standpoint. You, you've got Blinken who is just uh, so out of his depth he can't see the bottom of the pool and and Biden isn't even a factor. This Normandy format that has France, Germany, Russia, Ukraine. They're not even inviting the United States into this. And if you remember, Biden and Obama uh, were in charge when Russia invaded Crimea and uh, southeastern Ukraine and parts of southeastern Ukraine in 2014. That's when the uh, Normandy format began. And so they're trying to do that again. And so you got Macron actually uh, leading uh, the charge on uh, diplomacy. And, you know, Germany isn't really that interested because they're more concerned about the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. And and so Biden and this administration are just not a factor in any of this. And because of his fecklessness and disaster in Afghanistan, where he abandoned NATO, Putin sees that NATO is fractured. America is incompetent and weak. And if he's going to do something, now's the time to do it. Do you think that our U.S. officials are inserting themselves
4: too much into this uh, foreign issue?
6: I, I don't think it matters what they do because Putin doesn't respect them. The, at the end of the day, what Putin is doing, uh, he's doing a nuclear exercise. He's firing rockets. He's, he's encircled Ukraine from the north, the east and, and the south. And so it doesn't. You know, the United States is not a factor. And, and any of this, and Putin doesn't care uh, because, you know, you think about it with Trump, we had we gave javelin missiles to Ukraine to defend themselves under Biden, Obama. They gave them blankets uh, when they got invaded. So now uh, I, I just I, I see no real unity of effort from the government when you think about diplomacy or information or military or economic uh, warfare. Uh, there's this this administration is just on their heels, and and yeah, you know, what Biden could do is announce this long list uh, that Jen Psaki references swift and severe co- consequences. What's it going to be? Mm-hmm. And and one thing he could do is abandon this stupid progressive agenda of uh, shutting down the XL uh, Keystone pipeline and open that back up. Gives them an opportunity to open up our energy. Uh, e- exploration and and independence, and tell them we're shutting down uh, the Nord Stream two, and tell Ger- Germany to suck it up, and that the NATO unity is more important than Germany getting cheap gas from Russia.
4: If I can get just a quick response, really quick, for based on your expertise on this, what would be the strategy of Putin to line up all of his troops around so in Ukraine? Hey, you're surrounded by all my troops. And then say, hey, oh, and I have a kill list and here are the people that we're going to go after and then still sit there, throw out all this intel, but not make any moves.
6: Well, I think he is making moves. I think he's made the strategic decision to seize certain parts of Ukraine. And I think this week uh, they're just waiting for the conditions to be right. The the tactical commanders on the ground, the generals and sergeants and, and colonels and sergeants, major, they're just waiting for the right moment to, to go do uh, what they need to do to accomplish the uh, Putin's uh, strategic aims. So he, I, I believe, he has made that decision. You don't move the logistics of blood and and uh, hospitals and and fuel and ammo uh, to the border and not not do anything. But he, I, at the end of the day, if if NATO comes back and says, okay, we we'd agree to all your demands, mm-hmm. uh, which is Ukraine not in the EU and and never in NATO and and a list of other things that. You know, frankly, uh, it's it's debatable whether or not the West ought to do that. So they're at loggerheads. But uh, make no mistake, uh, you know, Biden is weak. Putin is strong. And and he sees this as his opportunity.
2: Do you know what's awesome? I'm just going to give you like a scenario. okay? Ukraine is in so much debt that Germany owns them a million times over they'll never get out of debt. They own their gas reserves, or their natural gas, they have one of the biggest natural gas reserves. They own they own every hole in a person's underwear and sock 20 times over. Ukraine made the bad decision to side with the Europe with the EEC, right, the European Economic Community and NATO. They realized They could have just hung out with Mother Russia. Now there's no way Germany would let them go. No way that the Queen would let them go. No way that the EU would let them go. So they can't just leave. But if they went with Russia, because Russia took them over, then the debt is bad and they lose. So considering that Ukraine was the point where... Barack Hussein, Obama, and Biden did all their shenanigans, and Russia has eyes everywhere in Ukraine, and so does Ukraine. Russia says, hey, Ukraine, you guys are in so much debt. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to let me take you over, like liberate you like I did Crimea, who are more than happy. And guess what? You don't have to pay diddly squat, because apparently we had war, and we should do this. No, 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 we're not doing that. President Trump, I think we need to take out all these cabalists. I don't know. How are we going to do this? We need to, uh, you know, figure something out. All right? Well, what? Well, you can't be president. we got to have Joe Biden. Let them steal the elections. Catch them stealing the elections. Allow us to take Ukraine and liberate them. And then you come back. And, you know, you could put sanctions or whatever on us, just just like that. So the Ukrainians are out of debt, and they can be independent, and I could be like, see, it's done. But Turkey's a big problem. We all don't like ter- Turkey, Turkey. So I think maybe we can have that discussion to see how we can tame the Ottomans. Interesting. I mean, it would all work out. It would be a win-win situation if there was a war, air quotes, with no blood, air quotes, just to stick it. To the EU and the crown and NATO. Uh, and Ukraine is like, it's all your fault. You're not doing anything, Biden. And then Biden's like, but my military is saying nothing's really happening. But I think they're going to do something. I should put sanctions. And Putin's like, put sanctions, bitch. I'll drop everything you did. I will show all the pictures of your son. I will show this. I will show how much money you made. I will show how much money I gave you. I will let that shit leak. I will blast that shit From every single corner of the earth. Okay, so we can't sanction Russia. What are we doing? But we can't leave Ukraine because they're going to flip on us too and just expose us. Like, what do we do? So everyone's having conversations, but the deal has already been made. I mean, that sounds so much more better than anything else. Right? In the meantime, while we sit, right, they're spending our money and, um, you know, Talking about stable coin. Oh yeah. Tony, there's no, uh, no, 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 you know, coins and bitcoins that they're doing legally. Really? So weird. So weird. So let's talk about this extravagant spending that your, uh, you know, Senate and Congress are doing right now, right, in the middle of all this. Oh, is there war? Is there not war? I don't know. And let's talk about stablecoin, which everyone said, no one's going to be doing cryptocurrency, Tori, you're so dumb. And it's like, okay, here we go. Thank
5: you, Madam Chairman. I'm glad we're having this hearing today. I want to welcome our witnesses uh, for, te- for being, being here, here to testify. And I'm glad to see we have some who would join us in the hearing room. Um, Madam Chairman, with the District of Columbia changing their COVID guidelines effective today where they no longer require proof of vaccination to enter a building and with their proposed February 28th of the elimination of an indoor mask mandate, I do hope that the committee will return to our regular in-person hearings very soon. We're here to talk about America's workforce. This is an important topic. We're in a period of great economic uncertainty. The pandemic's changed a lot of the ways that we live and work. Thanks to extravagant spending in Washington, American families are facing 40-year high inflation rates and paychecks are increasingly stretched to put food on the table, gas in the car, plain and simple. This is a tax on working class. Looking forward to the discussion today to hear more about the ways that we can support pathways to good paying jobs. With all the changes to our economy now more than ever, it's time for us to think about innovative solutions. Everyone's here. Everyone here is interested in finding ways to reduce barriers to employment, but the Biden administration seems to be creating their own barriers to employment. Look no further than the partisan nominee at the Department of Labor, David Well. is the president's pick to lead the wage and hour division. This is a nominee with a track record stifling innovation and opposing growth opportunities. HIS NOMINATION IS A THREAT TO THE GIG ECONOMY, INDEPENDENT CONTRACTING AND THE FRANCHISE MODEL FOR BUSINESSES OF WHICH MANY ARE MINORITY AND WOMEN OWNED. I CAN'T IMAGINE THE THREAT OF PUTTING THIS TYPE OF LEADERSHIP AT THE DEPARTMENT OF LABOR AND IT INSTILLS AND THE LACK OF CONFIDENCE THAT IT INSTILLS IN EMPLOYERS. THIS ADMINISTRATION ALSO SEEMS TO BE CREATING BARRIERS TO NEW TRAINING OPPORTUNITIES. SOMETHING WE SHOULD ALL BE ABLE TO AGREE ON IS THE IMPORTANCE OF HIGH QUALITY WORKFORCE TRAINING AND EDUCATION. THIS INCLUDES APPRENTICESHIPS. INSTEAD OF FOCUSING ON HOW TO EXPAND THE APPRENTICESHIP MODELS, BUILDING ON WHAT WORKS, THE DEPARTMENT OF LABOR IS ACTUALLY WORKING ON ELIMINATING A PATHWAY. INDUSTRY RECOGNIZED APPRENTICESHIPS ARE A PROMISING WAY TO EXPAND THE EARN AND LEARN MODEL IN NEW INDUSTRIES AND TO REACH NEW POPULATIONS OF WORKERS instead of building on this innovative idea or working with Republicans on how to improve it, this this administration has paused the recognition process. If we're gonna address barriers to employment, we should be using all the tools in our toolbox, not just the tools that labor unions find acceptable. The White House also wants to put up roadblocks for people who want to work. As businesses were adjusting to the pandemic, the president issued a vaccine mandate Make no mistake, I encourage every American who's eligible to get vaccinated and to get boosted against COVID. But amid labor shortages, supply chain issues, and already strained workforce, this mandate is the last thing we needed. This sweeping new requirement far exceeded OSHA's legal authority, and the Supreme Court was right to block it. We have to find solutions to keep people in their jobs, schools, and businesses open. I also think we can all agree that Americans can't work or go to school if they don't have safe and reliable childcare for their families. Instead of seeking workable bipartisan solutions, my friends on the other side of the aisle uh, insisted to do it themselves in a reckless partisan spending bill. Only in Washington would the answers be to create even more complicated and just disjointed programs rather than to do the simple thing. Fund a program that works and that's had bipartisan support for decades, I'm talking about the child care development block grants. Barbara Mikulski and I led the reauthorization of this program in a bill that overwhelmingly passed the Senate and the House with bipartisan support. We can do this again. It doesn't need to be partisan, it needs to be smart. If we're going to find workable and lasting solutions, we've got to find them together. Today's topic has long been an area with support from both sides of the aisle. I'm looking forward to the hearing from, hearing from our witnesses today about how they're providing access to opportunity to workers in their communities. This work doesn't happen in silos. Collaboration among stakeholders is absolutely crucial. This includes business, education providers, workers, and government. This collaboration is not always easy. I expect some of the barriers that we identify today will come with well-informed federal policy, well-intentioned federal policy, excuse me. We have an opportunity to think outside the box and find ways to better support the innovative strategies we see at the state and local levels. Madam Chairman, I hope we're smart enough to listen today. I thank the chair.
2: So obviously all of you, as I was watching your comments, feel that, um, oops, I gave away that I have a guest. (laughs) All of you, obviously from the comments, uh, understandably see that he was talking, talking, and talking and making zero sense Uh, in respects to that he was talking in a circular position, uh, claiming that they want jobs, but doesn't want jobs, claiming the failures they had and why there aren't any jobs and how they need to fix this. Remember, they took out the ability for people to get into the workforce because they put mandates Then they took away the apprenticeship, which is something that President Trump pushed forward because if people earn and learn, they become very good employees. I I am of the the fact that if we have internships throughout college to train people in the industry that they want to work in, first of all, they test to see if they really want to do it, and then it actually – will sit there and either grow and be their career or their shift. And, and we have trade jobs. That's another thing that we should be looking into trade because your plumber always makes money. Now let's take a quick break and I'll be right back. Please pay attention to this fantastic melody that I will be playing for you. I'll see you guys in just a bit. Can't touch this.
5: Can't touch this. This
2: Well, that's one of my favorite mashups of all time. Um, I, I hope all of you agree. I mean, I love MC Hammer. I, I don't know. Seeing Donna Summers like that, I mean, who doesn't want to see her? I have Patrick Byrne with me, who's joining me, so we can talk about some current events and anything that comes, right? Um, how are you? Welcome to the Tory Says Show, Patrick.
3: Hello, Tory. Hello, Tory's audience. So
2: tell me what do you uh, today i was going to discuss corporatocracy
3: corporatocracy
2: yes because that is mean? that is pushes capitalism but it's really communism
3: yeah, I actually am quite familiar with the history of it. Did I uh, I didn't know
2: that. I was no. actually, that's what I was telling people, that I think the that we've been conditioned to think that the establishment that we have is a capitalist society, but in oh, fact oh. it's corporatism or cor-por- corporatocracy.
3: Yeah, it's a corporatism. It's mostly, I'll, I'll tell you where it really comes from. So, should I probably get that, uh, I'm silhouetted, I see, my... No, no I see you. I see okay. you.
2: I see you. I see you perfectly.
3: Uh, okay. What's, you know, after Marx, there were different strains, and we're familiar with some, like, of course, Leninism and how that developed, which its version of socialism was heavy central planning. Uh, Leninism and a vanguard of the proletariat would understand things, and then they, and then they get the revolution, and then they plan centrally plan the economy. There were different strands that came out of Marxism, out of after Karl Marx. There's Sorel and Prudorn and later Bakunin, and they're generally identified uh, with people. Sometimes would say anarchist, or that was they were anarchists or something. But their vision was more like workers collectives and worker democracy, and Running factories and such, but there aren't really CEOs and own, uh, owners that the workers own it, and they make decisions together. That evolved into something called syndicalism, and there's the syndicalism that was like an Israeli kibbutz kind of syndicalism. Remember the early Israeli?
2: Hey, hey! hey I've actually been on a kibbutz collecting oranges. That was an experience. I'll tell you that. I yeah. Yeah
3: you know noam chomsky spent like like a butz in ni- or, i don't know maybe 6 weeks in the summer of like 1952 and it influenced him so heavily and that's why well so there was that kind of syndicalism but there was another kind called industrial syndicalism that developed uh in italy and it was uh and the socialist there and there's one in particular i'm going to talk about he was the he was a big socialist ahead of the socialist magazine of Italy called Avanti, the editor of it. Avanti, yes. Avanti, yes. a very yes. big socialist. And his version of socialism that he was fighting for, which was considered like the hard, a hard version, was this kind of word syndicalism, but not a bunch of peasants growing oranges on a kibbutz, but that you could run a modern economy. And how it would work is you would have corporations, uh, but every you know, but everyone would be, first of all, in a syndicate. And syndicates are like unions, but we're not talking even individually, that there were syndicates that would represent the interests of different types of corporations, different factions of society. And then these syndicates, these guilds, guilds, think of it, they would meet, the leaders of them meet in the great hall of the government. Like our
2: representation, correct.
3: More like our cabinet, more like our cabinet. And then the strong hand of a strong leader would manage their conversation and force them to make deals in that cabinet. And that was their vision. And the the socialist, the, and this was considered sort of hard, just a hard version of socialism, even at the time, he went and fought in World War I. He came back and he had, he had changed a bit. He thought that, yeah, that he, it was the same basic vision of how to structure society, but with a new layer that said only we who have fought in war should determine the future. And so he broke his off. Uh, his theorist was named Gentili, and his version broke off. And it was indu- industrial syndicalism. This guy, this socialist name was Benito Mussolini. Now, if you study mm-hmm. it in political science, I have a professor friend who writes me and he says, but every grad student learns that Patrick. Yeah, Mussolini was a socialist. But then after World War I, he switched sides. Well, the joke is that's where they get it wrong
2: goes. all the time. Yeah,
3: they, he didn't switch sides. He didn't switch sides at all. He believed the exact same thing about how to organize society. He added a little thing about, let's be militant, but you know, he actually wasn't even racist in the sense of Mussolini had Jewish admirals and generals up until about 1937, because Hitler was his little brother in the relationship when he, but Hitler looked up to Mussolini and when he came in 1933 and then by 1937, Hitler was the big brother and Mussolini started copying him and getting racist. And so you know back. what
2: advantage Hitler had and why he grew? He actually got a book from California that uh, taught him about eugenics. Oh, yeah. And he implemented that. That was his the book that he got out of California, where they had started the eugenics program, was what gave him the advantage.
3: He studied, he studied the Democrats closely. He studied close. the, the Democratic South. What he did was the Nuremberg laws were based off the laws the Democrats had created for the South, the Jim Crow stuff. So he was an admirer Margaret of Margaret Sanger. Yep. And Margaret Sanger the right. genesis. well, she was all about of course uh, exterminating the lesser subhumans by mm-hmm. which she meant black people. And, and for my, him it
2: was the Jews because he was upset
3: with, with them. Hitler was a Jew. But yeah. Margaret Sanger, she wanted to reduce the black population so she started What organization did she start?
2: She started her, you know, the whole abortion
3: Right, thing. yeah. So they should be getting
2: abortions because they're making too many babies.
3: Right, it was all about blacks. We got to reduce the growth of the black population, maybe wipe them out completely. That's what she was about. That's what Margaret Sanger was about. She was a eugenicist. Um, so this, but Mussolini's version was not that you don't have corporations. It wasn't like the Leninism that you're going to have these units and the units are all run by part of America. You're going to have corporations but the corporations are themselves all in a sense managed by the, uh, this this government system that i just described and you have this very strong cabinet that's representing the different industries the corporations in different industries and the agricultural industry the you have and you have one that's representing the workers and one that's representing you know the you know these different industries they meet in the cabinet And the great, powerful leader forces them to make their deals. And that's how you forget. That's how you get rid of friction in society, because it's all done within the cabinet of the great leader, the great hall. And this people don't know this, but Mussolini was well very much admired in the United States, in the West by the left. Uh, In fact. uh, yeah, you was able old, to
2: bring corporatism.
3: It was uh, corporatism.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly because it, people. Corporatism is is a collectivist society just like social, socialism. Well, it's a, well to me it's a
3: flavor it's of socialism.
2: It, it is. It, yeah, but it nationalizes then, private property and um in, in 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 essence but not by the operation of law. It kind of blends regulation. capitalism and socialism um in a governing society that was there in Italy, but also the economy. So it allows the private businesses to operate within limits, right And then when they get bigger the just the government justified creating public ventures claiming that you know certain projects are essential to people from the private sector, but they're so huge that they require a large investment and businessmen can't afford it so the government should step in. I mean that's kind of how Mussolini worked. Um, and but he, well, yeah. how it
3: got here was FDR, it, well, we, the Columbia University Economics Department went, sent several professors over, studied the Italian miracle. They came back writing about how great fascism was. And as Breitbart was to Trump, the Columbia University Economics Department was a bunch of hard lefties, still is, uh, were for FDR. And, they, and originally, FDR's advisors called themselves fascists. Hugh Johnson. Who was the original director of the? I think the National Recovery Act or something. He used to carry pamphlets around about why fascism. I mean, they all, they called themselves fascists. The, the inner circle of Mussolini, uh, uh, the inner circle of of uh, FDR. Anyway, F, FDR adopted all this. If people study, I remember when I studied poli sci in college, and they taught us that this cabinet model that that FDR did that that. that, that FDR took the cabinet from being a bunch of advisors to what it is like this model that is where you have each person is representing a different in, um, industry or a different segment of society, and then they're meeting. And well, what they left out in my poli sci class at Dartmouth was that was Mussoliniism. They had do- that FDR got this directly from Mussolini directly. This, this isn't just like they coincidentally they, there was communication between them and Hitler. The great there's a great book from someone at Cato about the three great the three great new deal, the three new deals one was fdr's one was mussolini's one was hitler's and they were all they were all in communication and they were all emulating each other so what we have what you get taught in poli in poli sci departments in the united states this innovation in our government that fdr brought is true and it's it's really corporatism what they leave out is he copied it off mussolini Yeah, and he
2: tried to tone it down. It it seems, Patrick, throughout history that from monarchs, they've just kind of revamped uh, power is like 2.0. And now we're in 2022, and we've got like this new version of corporatism in the United States that people are assuming is communism because it kind of is because of the way technology is that allows them to take more power.
3: Yeah, I see. I'm looking at your comments where people are saying, well, fascism is anti communism. You got to study all of that, all of that as see all of that as intramural squabbles among lefties, is the right way to view it. Intramural
2: Uh, squabbles. I like that. And speaking of squabbles, so, you know, today I had a very interesting, I had a couple phone calls with people from North Dakota, some in leadership, uh, some that are reporters, some that are just citizens. They were like, Tori, why didn't we listen to you six years ago when you said China was coming into North Dakota? And, you know, because there's a huge thing that's going to be, there's a lot of things that are happening in North Dakota right now with China and what we're seeing in Canada, right? Canada, I, you know, let me, let me tell you something in, in 2016, I went to Canada for Greek Easter, right? I drove up to Winnipeg, hung out with the Greek community, which is massive there, right? And had Easter. It, It took me only a few hours to drive from North Dakota, um, I remember when I entered the, the supermarket, I wanted to get some batteries and stuff. It, they asked me for something called aeroplane miles. Have you seen that before? mm Right. Well, it's like a rewards program. I was like, yeah, I don't have that. Went to McDonald's, same program, aeroplane miles. Went to the gas station, aeroplane miles, hotel, aeroplane. I was like, oh my gosh, data collection on crack, like on steroids to the one millionth power. It was the most insane thing. They had the same rewards program tracking purchases and offering rewards to their citizens so they know exactly where they were. And it was the creepiest thing I had ever seen. Uh, They would call them aeroplane miles. And now we see Canada in the position of the boot on face Mm. and them resisting. But the thing is, how much of it can be true? How much of what we're watching is actually true? Because I see pictures that are circulating that seem too posed for me to be real. Uh, and that's something that we see with the left, with the screaming women against like five cops and they make it look like there's 20 million of them, you know, how the left would pose in these iconic pictures. There was this picture of people kneeling down in the same structure as those when ISIS had our people kneeling down before they beheaded them. So, I mean, what do you make of the whole scenario of what we are watching right now? Because I kind of feel like we're in a Wag the Dog movie,
3: part two. Well, it's I mean, what i make of the whole scenario is. This is a fascist. This is a fascist coup, a soft coup against the United States. It's being done through the techniques of a color revolution. It's been done to a population which has both totally been, you know, uh, been given amnesia about its principles and uh, everything that built the company, the country. They've got a complete. They've been taught fake history called critical race theory and this junk, which is fake history, fake economics, fake. Fake, you know everything. It's just fake. It's it doesn't. The reason they need to shut out dissenting voices is these ideas can't stand up on their own. They can't be defended on their own. So it's fake. Uh, A bunch of people that have a fake under a wrong understanding of history, completely fake, and but who are just being used behind the scenes. The strings are being pulled by the goons. And it's going to be a question of at the end of the day, how much do have we Americans in our DNA? How much have we retained? Maybe this is going to be like one of those infections that you have, you know, that you had in childhood and your body remembers how to fight it. You get exposed to it decades later. It isn't like you're a complete virgin. Your body has some memory of how to fight it. I like that. Maybe not as a complete as, as, uh, as if you had it last year, but you still have. And I think there's a latent memory in the American psyche that shows we are reacting, maybe just like an immune system. Maybe we haven't figured out exactly what it is that's got us and exactly how to beat it, but the immune system is reacting. And there's a lot of inflammation, but we, uh, we need to – it just needs to train up a bit. It needs to be reminded. I think Americans need to be reminded of a bunch of things.
2: Well, our T-cells do take a while to train to respond to infections. I really like that analogy. You know what? This picture reminded me of something I think President Trump knew – knew what right oh. that <laughs> he kind of knew you could see his face he kind of knew back in 2018 didn't he about trudeau you
3: see that think, picture? Did he I actually to knew. he actually refused to shake his hand
2: well i think he shook it but look at the look i mean right. that sometimes a picture speaks a thousand words and it's like he knew i mean the comments that some people put with that photo is like, Oh, I did that before. And they outed me for trying to grab someone by the, (laughs) trying to grab a beep beep. Uh, But but I think he knew, I think we all knew. And Canada for me, their history is so skewed and so confusing. Uh, It's, it's, it's bizarre. And, um, the, what do you make of this whole trucker thing? Because here's, here's what I was, um, thinking about last night. I was watching the strategic points geographically of where all these trucks were going, and they were blocking northern entry to our nation, right? The northern entry, yeah, into the United States, which means that they're going to be blocking goods from being transported to us in the United States. There's only about five other areas within the United States where someone can enter, and if they block those, then we may have a problem with goods,
3: yeah. I I, I, I'm just putting it out there. Oh, well, absolutely. Our car industries will shut down. We, we have all kinds milk. of parts.
2: milk. Our deal is that we ship out our milk to them and then we get it back and buy it back. I know it sounds so stupid, right? But that's literally what happens. We sell them our milk and then we buy it back from Canada as part of these stupid deals like NAFTA. And and some of the USMCA had that in there. But that's the concern that I have is that you know, our our lumber industry, our agriculture, uh, the dairy industry, pork rinds, soybeans, you know, and just in in general goods could come to a standstill if the truckers block the rest of the avenues to come into the U.S. I mean, up by the West Coast, it's it's closed off. Nothing can come down. This is just an idea, and I was thinking of it strategically as a war scenario. And and not saying that it is a war scenario, I'm just saying inadvertently, uh, you know, it's starting to make me
3: concerned. I don't think the truckers in Canada should be blocking borders. All kinds of other interests get implicated. In fact, the truth is, I don't think the truckers, I didn't like it when Antifa and BLM were blocking people from going about their day. There's civil disobedience and there's civil disobedience that means people can't go to their jobs. And... I, I'm not a fan of that. I never, I wasn't a fan of AT, Antifa and BLM. I think it was wrong. And I don't think the truckers should be blocking the movement of anybody. They can make their point just fine without that.
2: They could and, just take two weeks and, off. And when, weeks, you
3: cross, when you're talking of crossing the border or blocking the border, now you're talking about all kinds of international geopolitical stuff Correct. that is way beyond the point they're trying to make. So right. they shouldn't be doing that. Well, I it could understand. be
2: that they, they're being directed to, or maybe someone gives them a smart idea that isn't for their best intention. Which right? is- maybe Because this happens.
3: Which brings up the subject of our truckers. Our truckers, this people's convoy, I, have, I did, as soon as I heard about it, people asked, I put something up on locals where I said, I'm not giving you my final answer or a firm answer, but I put a quick essay up on a paragraph or two saying, uh, warning people about these convoys. And I haven't given my full... The thing I can say up front, under no circumstances should anyone be going into Washington, D.C. At the very least, they should be committing to... You stop at the beltway. There's absolutely no reason to be scaring people. Everyone involved should should agree to stop at the beltway. I'm not even sure if that's a good idea. I'm not sure if these convoys shouldn't just be done in a scattered, decentralized way. I think it's a very it's a terrible
2: audience guys because you know i popped onto my telegram during our during the reawaken america tour which i thoroughly enjoyed by the way and thank you for inviting me uh but you should ask them why they alerted me they said there you go that there's people uh put it up on the chat so he can see it you can read it people have been seeing the same thing that happened during j6 and you know i have Uh, You know, in the United States, I have about half a million people that are looking into everything and they see it and they're just like, nope. uh, We're seeing the the same Uh, people circulate around saying that they're supporting these convoys. Ali,
3: Ali, Abu Abdul Razak Akbar. uh, (laughs) He's involved or he's trying to get down on this. I wouldn't go near that guy in a a country mile on the fact that he's trying to get involved. This smells really wrong to me. You may see me get more aggressively denouncing this. Well, and the next, that's I'm spending, the
2: thing. It, and that's I'm spending the thing.
3: forty eight hours studying it. Then I'm going to be coming out with my opinion, and I may be actually actually telling people not to go. Let me. You my know what opinion- I
2: would be about. Let me. Let me. Let me give you an idea. We have truckers, right? And yeah. they all get paid by the mile. I have a lot of listeners that uh, you know drive trucks because my shows are two hours long, sometimes even three. So they listen all the time. I would say why don't we create a fund, you know how everyone does a give and go, but we actually pay truckers to not work. They just stay home. You know, they just stay that. home rather than come out, they stay home and they're like we're not
3: transporting, no? No, stop stop stop, stop. 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 No. No, 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 no. We're winning. You guys don't understand it yet out there. Yeah, we we're winning. We're in a boxing match in which I've been in many and you're fighting, fighting, and you get ahead on points. And, the, and against some other heavyweight, which I am, you don't – the thing about heavyweight fighting is someone can be on the edge of losing. And at any time, uh, uh, you know, one lucky punch from a heavyweight can knock any, another heavyweight out. So when you're head on points, you keep dancing and moving, jabbing, opening up the wounds. If you guy's wounded, you open up the cuts, you work the cuts, you work the cuts. You don't get in a clinch. You get in a clinch. I mean, if we just keep boxing, we're going to win this. If we get in a clinch, anything can happen. And to me, driving trucks into DC is getting in a clinch. And let me tell you something, I don't want to get ahead of myself. There are some real right crosses coming over the next six weeks. We have these guys. We have them in a lawsuit. We have a lawsuit that is about to be filed. It's going to be filed. I I I said March, but it might be February. It's now looking to me, March. We have a lawsuit that blows it all open. We have the whole thing. We're going to expose it. We have that. We have another. There's a lawsuit against Hillary Clinton that people are not following. I don't attention to. Yeah, I know. there's a lawsuit going on regarding the IRS and Hillary Clinton. There's another lawsuit. You're
2: talking Even, about the IRS guy that, um, that um, are you talking, there's a few of them. So are you talking about the guy?
3: We have Hillary Clinton dead to rights on the foundation. The foundation is just a big payola system. We have that and we have another lawsuit that is going to blow this whole thing open. Remember, I've talked about the Agatha Christie clue. Did I say that on your show? People keep asking me about it. Do you guys? Uh-huh. 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 You know how when you read an Agatha Christie novel, which I haven't done since I was 13, but there were, there might be some little detail on page three, and you forget about it, but on page 257, you, when you're trying to – you've realized that clue is from page three is actually at the end the thing that we may, let's, lets you figure it out. Something happened early on, and I'm not going to tell people what it is, but everyone has forgotten about it. In this whole battle about the election, something happened early on. That's going to turn out to be on page 257. Can I ask a question? I don't know what you're
2: referring to, but you know what, someone, I've written an article about Eric Braverman. Do you know who he, he sat on the Clinton Foundation, wrote an article about four years ago about how Eric Braverman just disappeared from the Clinton Foundation. And he went to Ukraine and met with Eric Schmidt of Google and they invested in CrowdStrike. Have I told you about that? I wrote an article about it over four years ago. That is a big piece of the puzzle because now that all of this stuff is coming out on Hillary Clinton, people are going back and reading my old articles and they're like, holy crap, you said this. There's so many pieces from Sussman to how it was done. And, you know, I'm getting really upset. This is straightforward with the media just attacking Hillary Clinton because here's the funny part. Perkins Coey, right? Robert Bauer. Remember when yes. he got busted in May, right? Because yes. I follow this stuff. I know this stuff inside out. Well, he was commingling mingling the accounts of organizing for action which was obama for america and hillary for america and dnc funds when paying uh you know um a fusion gps and also Right. Uh, PQD, uh, which is Daniel J. Jones, the guy who wrote the CIA torture report. He was in the middle of all of it. And then another clue I give him are the texts that I've made public of Adam Waldman, that attorney, you know, for big companies and celebrities. Right. He was in the middle of it because he was negotiating with Daniel Jones, Christopher Steele. And he clearly said, what Assange has will destroy the Democrats, Obama, everything. What I uh, have, what I have,
3: what I have will destroy the Democrats, the Clintons, Obama. What I have, what we have, what you're going to see in a lawsuit in a matter of weeks, which we have. We have the whole election fraud, the whole election rig figured out. There's a clue that everyone will say, oh, it'll be like the Agatha, they'll remember from page three, oh, that little detail we all forgot about. That turned out to blow the whole thing open. We got them. The only thing that can go wrong now is if we shoot ourselves in the foot or some other body part by getting in a clinch with it. Well, I'm mixing metaphors, but by pushing harder than we have to, if we just keep bouncing and sticking, we got these guys. Yeah, we- they
2: pull their own pants down. And we can just wait for the right time
3: where it comes. No, we're not waiting for the right time. We're we're sticking them. We have them. We have bombs coming. We have bombs coming. We're right there. If these guys it go out, you know, you saw what happened January 6th, and we know that it was invited or everyone. Yes, was yes. A, imagine 18, January 6th with 18 wheelers. Imagine the kind yeah. of damage that's going to be done when the truck convoy gets infiltrated. And the fact, the chances that they don't get infiltrated are zero. The chances that they haven't been infiltrated already zero. are zero. That yeah. whole movement's already infiltrated like crazy by Sunrise mm-hmm. and other goons. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's almost, to me, a surefire loser. And yet, if you just don't do it, if we find some decentralized way to let people protest, I don't even really like them driving to the Beltway. I think we ought to have some other... Mike Flynn has suggested we look at centering it on Gettysburg, which would be, <laughs> that which would, would, would be love that is ample parking. Right. But even there, I'm not sure there should be a central congregation. Yeah, Maybe some, be- some
2: some some genius that I spoke to who owns a couple of very big media, you know, conservative media things papers. Mm-hmm. Said, why don't we just send all the truckers to like Milwaukee, Phoenix, Philly, and Detroit? Who stole the elections? So he can blockade them. You know, no, just go there. I'm, no I'm just blockades. Saying, no blockades. No blockades. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. You don't kind. get it. I, I. This is just a joke thing. Like saying, okay. why don't we go to the cities that actually stole the elections?
3: How about we just? How about we go know? to our state capitals? How about you make it like the Jericho March? You go to your local state capitals. You drive around them. Things like this. It's decentralized. We do not want, you know, and there's a lot of people out there besides our enemies and besides the people, there, there's a bunch of people in the middle who don't know what the hell is going on. And they get scared when you got talking 50,000 or 500,000 trucks yeah. are going to converge yeah. on a city. It's a scary thing. Let's not scare our brothers yeah. and sisters. No, I with agree
2: with you. And that's why I use the power of the pen. I wanted to tell you something quite interesting and tell me what you make of this. So, you know, I'm serving subpoenas in my case,
3: right? Yes. Genius. So- Corey's yes. a genius. Do you walk through your legal test moves with your friends here? Or well,
2: no? it's sometimes. But today, John, to John Kerry was actually subpoenaed today. He got served as subpoena. So that was great. Uh, yeah, was he
3: windsurfing? Where was he?
2: I don't know where he was, but his um, house manager. Around,
3: his I thought he was strolling around in the mud with a shotgun hunting deer. Do you remember I that? Don't know, but his, I know.
2: I <laughs> know. Or Antarctica. That's another story. But um, uh, the funny one was Gates. So you know how he's like Chancellor of the University of Mary down there? Which gates? Well, Robert Gates? G- yes. Um so we have been trying to serve him for a while. So we got this service that's very costly. And by the way, they're called Tory too, right? How weird is it, right? They're some, yeah, they're from like DC and Virginia. But they actually went to his house, and it was really weird because his wife directed the service processor to send it to a PO box. I'm so, about- right, and it's like really bizarre. Hey, stand by a second, he? I've got
3: to take care of something.
2: Yeah, no worries. I'll mute you just in ca- Just in case. Um, so, anyway, guys, um, I just wanted to say, let me walk you through to. Um, that so you know I I'm serving subpoenas like crazy. Gates is one of the um, uh, most important people. Him and Paul Brinkley, because in 2004 they actually created the software to be able to take the system, the networking system slash software, and wrote the algorithms in a project for the DoD and I, that I know very well to, um, take the votes, the tally votes from the new machines. Cause in 2004, you know, we were selling those machines. So they were responsible for this project under the Pentagon, Paul Brinkley and Gates. And they took that project and within a year they transferred it. It's like they closed it and sold it to another agency. That's basically the technical process. When you, when you, when say the Navy makes something like, you know, we can make paper hearts by the click of a button and they, tra- they don't transfer the program. It's like they sell it to the army. Well, this is what these guys did. They made the program and then they transferred it to the state department oh. and the state department then repackaged it for the military too. Uh, you know, to, uh, in training modules. So, anyway, so this is why Gates is important. I'm just walking him through why Gates and Brinkley. Brinkley actually responded to the subpoena, by the way. Um, did he? and yeah. And he said he doesn't have them in his possession right now. So he didn't lie, but he did respond. And it was um, quite interesting. Karl Rove hasn't responded. So, I guess we got to put an order to show cause on that one. And we're still looking for Saki because they've all moved. So is Brennan. I mean, that guy has moved, like, four times within the past, like, three years. Have you served him? You know, they just found another address, so um, hopefully we can get him there, because the address that I knew he was at just a few weeks ago, he's sold, and he's somewhere else now, so that's bizarre, uh, but, uh, you know, everything's moving along. Uh, today, Mark Elias's law firm made an appearance, and that is... You know, and I was telling everyone the fact that they're not talking about it is a good thing, but also a bad thing. When people aren't talking about this lawsuit against Dominion, it, it, you can't fathom why. This is something where people can get behind and they can actually assist in looking into things and publishing articles on, on the little clues of what the case is talking about and who the players are. Because for me, it's about defamation, slander, libel, right? And all I want as an outcome is to, prove that my affidavit was 100% correct. And that could be more than enough for people in Wisconsin, in Michigan, and in Pennsylvania to decertify. That's all we want, right? And and that, yeah. that's my goal. That's my goal because I do have standing. They trashed me. They pretty much made it global news that I've perjured myself.
3: Listen, I told, uh, well, you deserve, they libeled you and slandered yes. you and you should mm-hmm. sue and you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Listen, among the things that are coming is a very good Dinesh D'Souza movie. And that awesome. Dinesh D'Souza movie is, is about five states and how they did it. It's the, it's the six states that I was talking about, minus Nevada, how they stuff the ballots. And they have them dead to rights. They work with the true vote. It's going to be a very compelling movie, I believe. So, But besides that, we have we have – and that's in early April – and we have so many good things happening between now and there, including, I'm telling you, there's a lawsuit that's going to blow the whole thing open that no one understands is coming. The whole thing gets blown open in March. Uh, and by a new lawsuit, no one knows about. And the only thing that can go wrong at this point is if we go in and get in a clinch with the beast. If you, if you're boxing, Mike Tyson, and God, I, 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 you know, I met Tyson just in an elevator a couple years ago. What a gentleman he was. I
2: did too in an elevator. I met him in an elevator too.
3: He was with a beautiful woman. Yeah, I,
2: yeah, he was, and he was eyeing me. I was, I was, I was not, you know. Well, you're a beautiful then.
3: woman yourself. Yeah, crazy. yeah, I know. Really I was
2: around then, and he was like, "Hey, where are you going?" And I was like, "Don't you have
3: someone with you? Like, that's so weird." <laughs> Is it? I, I never, yeah, I never, I it. never so think weird. that way, but uh, uh, I would say. Uh, you know, if you, by some lucky miracle, were in a ring with Tyson and you outboxed him and you got him, so he actually was having some, you know, if Ali was boxing him and got, and got him, so he was actually huffing and puffing and staggering a bit, the last thing Ali would do would be to get in close and a clinch because there you never know what Mike Tyson punch punches over. Similarly, we have these people. I think we have these people over from now through April, we have these people. It's going to be over, or a diff- definitely a different, a totally different picture will emerge over the next six to eight weeks. The only thing that goes wrong is if we get caught in some J6 with 18 wheelers. Imagine J6. Yeah. But 18, what happens if 18 wheelers show up and start bringing out the U.S. In DC, come
2: in to help like they're in Canada? They drive right?
3: across the Washington the Mall. Suppose they just drive across the mall in downtown D.C. Yeah, you know, and it's a bunch of Antifa guys pretending to be on our side. They will so make America hate us. Look at what they did with J six with 700 guys walking. Imagine what they're going to do with if 50 or a hundred thousand trucks show up or they run 000. someone
2: over or they plow people over right? something. Right. That's, that's, that's so true. But speaking of documentaries, I've been working on one for almost a year, like August. I, it was kicked off and, um, things happen. So I'm hoping, you know, my last birthday was the most awesome birthday because my listeners actually got me a car. So I'm thinking, I'm hoping that on my birthday, I can actually premiere it. It's going to, it pops open the whole enchilada of how these PSYOPs work and we're not talking uh, the sock puppets online and social media we're talking music industry we're talking movies we're talking agency assets we're talking mic and the the one the person that's leading the cuts you know the video editor he communicates with me and he's like oh my gosh like i can see this now this is the biggest rabbit hole ever. And it's so apparent. Now he gets why I keep telling people take a 40,000 foot view and it all makes sense. And that's why I call it. Enjoy the show. Because it's all a show from the mainstream media to the uh, writers. I mean, they even said it themselves. Most of the assets that the agency has are journalists.
3: Got journalists.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. You know, when someone when I get a call from Wipo, I'm like, oh man, wonder what division they're in. Did <laughs> Emma call you
3: from Waypo? Yeah,
2: they yeah, she's called me. I mean, a lot of people call me. Uh, there's people from publica that call me, you know, and, and it's like, I, you know, sometimes I wonder like, do they really believe the point of view that they're putting out or are they just sticking to a script or, or do they not just feel bad because, you know, they get paid for it. I, I seriously wonder that sometimes when I have conversations with some of these journalists, I really do all their point is is to create polarization you know and demonize anyone they speak with and it and it's terrible when it well, can be such progress
3: in you know, for the first time cons- conservative newspapers are calling me and want to talk i've been snuffed out as you know yeah. for a year. in the last week there people want to talk people want to start having me back on television things like this mm. i just i feel like we can get there and we're really close Mm. And I think that this convoy, it reminds me of there was a great, you know, Ohio football coach, Woody Hayes. Yes. And they used to ask him, he he was always just, he ran four yards in a cloud of dust up the middle over and over and over. And and he he was the winningest coach in American football history, college football history. And someone asked him once, Coach Hayes, why don't you ever throw the ball? He said, because when you pass, there are three things that can happen and two of them are bad. Well, when you have 100,000 or several hundred thousand trucks bearing down on one city, there's a lot of things that can happen and only one of them is not bad. And that's everything goes according as to plan, but it's not going to, because what happens if 500,000 trucks bear down and 10,000 of them are Antifa? And when they get there, they say the hell with this Beltway thing, we're gonna drive up to the Capitol. And then they get there and they drive across the mall. And they do that, you know, all while, you know, showing Trump won and and wearing the American flags, America's gonna hate us. So I think it's, I think we're really giving a hostage to fortune, this truck convoys. I have a lot of misgivings. I'm
2: very, I'm very, I'm very wary. I mean, my audience knows that. That's why I haven't even promoted it. Um, Canada's battle began on January 31st, just like I said it would months ago. I said it to the day, right? To the day. Um, and they have an uphill battle, but everyone is watching us, Patrick, they're watching our nation. And if we do not win, you know, they fail and they are praying for us globally because all of them feel like they're in the land of confusion. They don't know what's real, what's not, what's fair, what's not. I mean, DC now says, yeah, you don't need vaxes or masks. And it's like, what the hell is going on? What happened to the science on that one?
3: Yeah, there's no, there's no, I have, I, I can't, I almost can't see the truck convoys going to DC do anything but create a huge disaster. Maybe what they should do is the version of Jericho marches, where they're doing things in their capitals and maybe drive to another I think state.
2: we shouldn't do any marches. I think people should just start filing lawsuits.
3: I That's think are your is. lawsuits. I think those are great lawsuits and movie, the movies that come out. There's a movie come out. There's a lawsuit coming. Wait till people know what we know. In addition, I'll tell you something here. I have gotten, suppose I told you that Hunter Biden, before he took that laptop into his shop owner laptop, place to get fixed, he erased a lot of stuff. He you, did. Are, are you of the theory that Hunter Biden may have done that on purpose? Ashley and he both may have done that on purpose. out of some Let anger. me
2: Let me tell right. you a story. So, Hunter Biden likes the same hookers. So, there may have been same some... same hookers th- as who? That he always uses the same hookers. So, oh. some round lady may have known that. And maybe paid a hooker to have a drug and sex binge around New Year's with him. And convince him that the only way out of this endless misery that he's in is to just drop off his computer with... a with whatever they can find.
3: Well, suppose he, before he did that, he decided to erase an enormous- erase a
2: few things.
3: Well, maybe it's not a few, maybe it's a lot of really bad stuff.
2: You mean like bilateral immunity agreements, memorandums of understanding that type of stuff? All kinds of things.
3: I know. And maybe, maybe, maybe there was actually a way to recover that, that Rudy didn't know about. Oh, I know, I've been talking to that
2: comic ours so that we can get that done.
3: Maybe, maybe it's right behind this camera. Maybe there's a nice hard drive that has it all in it. Who knows?